Section 8 of Ingersoll on the Great Infidels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Ingersoll on the Great Infidels from the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll. Volume 3. Lectures. Section 8. Bruno. The night of the Middle Ages lasted for a thousand years. The first star that enriched the horizon of this universal gloom was Giordano Bruno. He was the herald of the dawn. He was born in 1550, was educated for a priest, became a Dominican friar. At last his reason revolted against the doctrine of transubstantiation. He could not believe that the entire trinity was in a wafer or in a swallow of wine. He could not believe that a man could devour the creator of the universe by eating a piece of bread. This led him to investigate other dogmas of the Catholic Church, and in every direction he found the same contradictions and impossibilities supported, not by reason, but by faith. Those who loved their enemies threatened his life. He was obliged to flee from his native land, and he became a vagabond in nearly every nation of Europe. He declared that he fought not what priests believed, but what they pretended to believe. He was driven from his native country because of his astronomical opinions. He had lost confidence in the Bible as a scientific work. He was in danger because he had discovered a truth he fled to England, he gave some lectures at Oxford, he found that institution controlled by priests, he found that they were teaching nothing of importance, only the impossible and the hurtful. He called Oxford the widow of true learning. There were in England at that time two men who knew more than the rest of the world. Shakespeare was then alive. Bruno was driven from England. He was regarded as a dangerous man. He had opinions. He inquired after reasons. He expressed confidence in facts. He fled to France. He was not allowed to remain in that country. He discussed things. That was enough. The church said, move on. He went to Germany. He was not a believer. He was an investigator. The Germans wanted believers. They regarded the whole Christian system as settled. They wanted witnesses. They wanted men who would assert. So he was driven from Germany. He returned at last to his native land. He found himself without friends because he had been true not only to himself but to the human race. But the world was false to him because he refused to crucify the Christ of his own soul between the two thieves of hypocrisy and bigotry. He was arrested for teaching that there are other worlds than this, that many of the stars are suns around which other worlds revolve, that nature did not exhaust all her energies on this grain of sand called the earth. He believed in a plurality of worlds, in the rotation of this, in the heliocentric theory. For these crimes and for these alone he was imprisoned for six years. He was kept in solitary confinement. He was allowed no books, no friends, no visitors. He was denied pen and paper. 
in the darkness, in the loneliness, he had time to examine the great questions of origin, of existence, of destiny. He put to the test what is called the goodness of God. He found that he could neither depend upon man nor upon any deity. At last the Inquisition demanded him. He was tried, condemned, excommunicated, and sentenced to be burned. According to Professor Draper, he believed that this world is animated by an intelligent soul, the cause of forms but not of matter, that it lives in all things, even in such as seem not to live, that everything is ready to become organized, that matter is the mother of forms, and then their grave, that matter and the soul of things together constitute God. He was a pantheist, that is to say, an atheist. He was a lover of nature, a reaction from the asceticism of the church. He was tired of the gloom of the monastery. He loved the fields, the woods, the streams. He said to his brother priests, Come out of your cells, out of your dungeons, come into the air and light. Throw away your beads and your crosses. Gather flowers, mingle with your fellow men. Have wives and children, scatter the seeds of joy, throw away the thorns and nettles of your creeds, enjoy the perpetual miracle of life. On the sixteenth day of February, in the year of grace, 1600, by the triumphant beast, the Church of Rome, this philosopher, this great and splendid man, was burned. He was offered his liberty if he would recant. There was no God to be offended by his recantation, and yet, as an apostle of what he believed to be the truth, he refused this offer. To those who passed the sentence upon him he said, It is with greater fear that you pass this sentence upon me than I receive it. This man, greater than any naturalist of his day, grander than the martyr of any religion, died willingly in defense of what he believed to be the sacred truth. He was great enough to know that real religion will not destroy the joy of life on earth, great enough to know that investigation is not a crime, that the really useful is not hidden in the mysteries of faith. He knew that the Jewish records were below the level of the Greek and Roman myths, that there is no such thing as special providence, that prayer is useless, that liberty and necessity are the same and that good and evil are but relative. He was the first real martyr, neither frightened by perdition nor bribed by heaven. He was the first of all the world who died for truth without expectation of reward. He did not anticipate a crown of glory. His imagination had not peopled the heavens with angels waiting for his soul. He had not been promised an eternity of joy if he stood firm, nor had he been threatened with the fires of hell if he wavered and recanted. He expected as his reward an eternal nothing. Death was to him an everlasting end, nothing beyond but a sleep without a dream, a night without a star, without a dawn, nothing but extinction, blank, utter, and eternal. No crown, no palm, no well-done good and faithful servant, no shout of welcome, no song of praise, no smile of God, no kiss of Christ, no mansion in the fair skies, not even a grave within the earth, nothing but ashes, 
wind blown and priests scattered mixed with earth and trampled beneath the feet of men and beasts the murder of this man will never be completely and perfectly avenged until from rome shall be swept every vestige of priest and pope until over the shapeless ruin of st peter's the crumbled vatican and the fallen cross shall rise a monument to bruno the thinker philosopher philanthropist atheist martyr end of section eight bruno